Right, we're recording. <laughs> Louise says, I'm going to hit record. Diggory Dog goes, I'm going to start wanking into the microphone. I'm going to start digging a hole in the carpet. Living up to his name. Hello. Hello. Welcome to this week's podcast. Indeed, it is episode... Oh, God, it might be ten. No, double figures. We Could should have a party. Be. We, we should. We up. We're not oh, God, I wish I had one of those hooters. Ooh, or just some knockers on me. <laughs> Disgraceful. Um, <laughs> this episode is really lovely, but it contains owls. No, I loved it. No, I, I yeah. It's my favourite moment. Say the joke. Say the joke. Say the joke. Oh, you, what? The whole episode is just a hoot. Oh, yeah, that, sorry, that joke. Oh. Why bother? Um, so, <laughs> listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please could you tweet about it? Actually, if you are one of our um, very <laughs> band, <laughs> no, but you also missed out the joke about and also twoo. Fuck you, basically. I'm not going to write quality material like this. <laughs> and have you just <laughs> just it? Your, like okay. <sighs> Tweet, tweet, How hard is that? No, but also, Pauline, the point is, it's, this is a message about tweeting, is not for people who particularly enjoy this episode, although people will. It's for our regular listeners. It's for our yes. merry band. That's the point, okay? So if you listen to us regularly, the people who listen every single time, we know who you are because we stalk you and we love you. And there are plenty of others too, and it is so lovely. Here's a thing. Could you tell one other person and see if they can, might become a regular listener too? Imagine if we doubled the number. Heavens. Yeah. <laughs> that would be, that'd no, that'd be really lovely because it means a lot to know that you're out there. Uh, but gosh, wouldn't it mean even more Yes, if there were more of you? <laughs> yes. So on, so on Twitter, when you tweet and twoo about this week's episode, you could also maybe tag somebody and say, listen, listen to the podcast. Or next time I you think go you'll like this. running with people or... or school playground where do people meet people do tennising people people playing tennis wild swimming next time you're wild <laughs> swimming make sure you tell someone to listen to the pod that would be amazing that would be an act of love other acts of love that you can do if you're enjoying the podcast is buy tickets to our Brighton show which is on well by the time you hear this it'll be on this time next week Fantastic. 19th and 20th yes. of June Excuse me. Um, <coughs> I'm <clears throat> coughing so that I can get the perfect um, introduction for Brighton because it's your last chance to get tickets. And it includes Susan Murray on the Saturday night, who is amazing, and Laura Lex on the Sunday night, who is amazing. And Louise and I are recording this preamble on Thursday, just as we're looking forward to tonight's Mock of the Week with Laura on it. So, proper superstar off of the telly. And talking of proper superstars off the telly, next week's podcast, so not the recording, but the actual podcast, is with Callie Beaton. Um, I like to think of myself as a budget Callie Beaton. And uh, <laughs> we got the real Cheap. one. Tonight's episode is the award-winning comedian who's written for Mock the Week, is a proper funny MC and comic, and like Daddy Pig, is great to spend time with. It's Philip Simon. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Pauline Eyre. And I'm Louise Lee. This is Eyre Lee Doors and we are... Opening doors to other dimensions. Here's how it works. We feed information about our guest into our space-time generator, the Dimension Matrix, or Dominatrix for short, and she creates a whole bunch of portals or doors into other dimensions. And then we let our guest peer through the doors into alternative realities. Will they be living out their wildest dreams, trapped in their childhood nightmares? Or some weird bastard mixture of the two. But Louise, who is our lucky guest today? It's the fantastic Pig Daddy, Schools Out, Comedy Clubber, Joke Book Writing, Award-winning comedian, Philip Simon! Yay! Hello! And what have you been up to in lockdown? I've, I've been entertaining kids, I've been homeschooling my kids, and I've been losing the world to live. What oh sort of vintage God. are your children? <laughs> my vintage are like a fine wine that should be kept in a cellar. <laughs> um, they are so primary school. They're primary school, yes. They're, yeah. They are. They are currently four and six. Oh, I've tried to be very understanding of everyone's plight and saying, yeah, but it's hard for every. It's hard if you've got teenagers. It's hard for them because of exams or social life, whatever. But actually, no. It's it's just yeah. it's yeah. just the worst. Before we set off the dominatrix, we've got one more person we need to put in. 
And it's the fabulous actor, national treasure, Brenda Blethyn. Tell me, Philip, the hell is your problem with Brenda Blethyn? We went to the same drama school uh, quite a few years apart. So she was one of the alumni that they always kind of roll out whenever there's something they need to say, oh, you went to that drama school. Who, who are they famous for? It was Brenda Blethyn, Michael Ball, people like that. Yeah. Philip Simon. Not Philip Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Simon rarely makes it into their prospectus. She was always at events and she, she would come and host things. And, and she was lovely, really, really delightful. But there was one event that we did and we had an amazing teacher called Ian Ricketts, um, who's one of the, just one of those teachers you have in your life who's a dream, a really lovely guy. He was such a, a man of peace and tranquility. And he was a, a wonderful actor. I say, I keep saying was, he's still going. He's still at the, the college. They've even na they've named a room after him and everything. But he, he's just one of those teachers. You, you talk about going to Guildford and everyone knows Ian Ricketts and loves them. He's such a great, inspirational guy. He used to do thoughts for the day and he'd write them out in, in calligraphy. And if you had a good class, you'd receive that at the end of the day. That, that was your kind of, you've done well, my child. Can we, should we pop Ian in? We were celebrating his 30th anniversary and there was an event and Brenda obviously was was hosting the event. So we're backstage in the theatre and it's dark and <laughs> twice, twice I tripped over Brenda, kicking her as I went. Um, <laughs> and, and not, not twice as in, oh, once in the morning and once in the evening. This is literally within about five, ten minutes. <laughs> Of each other. Are um, you sure she didn't just stick a foot out? Well, this is the thing. This it's never been proven because the, there, there's always that glint in her eye. She's a, she's quite uh, cheeky. And Celia Imry was there at the same time because that she is also oh. one of the alumni. And the, you know, get the two of them together. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I, I think they just saw me as as a bit of a patsy. Yeah, that's <laughs> popular. And let's set off the dominatrix. Isn't that a salad spinner? Okay, so off we go with the game. And before we look through the first door, here's the good news, Philip. We're going to use the power of the dominatrix to allow you to actually walk through one of these doors and get to live the life you see on the other side. But here's the bad news. You have to make the decision before you know what all the options are. If you see something you like, it's choose it or lose it. What would your dream scenario be? A room without any homeschooling. <laughs> Just, anyway, let's take a look at what the dominatrix has actually come up with in door number one. Door number one. Okay, so your kids are playing up. You've hired a specialist consultant to advise you on the latest and best in parenting. You can afford it just the first few lessons seem convincing enough but today's session nutrition involves them training you to spoon the sugar cream off a starbucks frappuccino concoction into your tiny baby's toothless gums the parenting expert is it's rachel riley oh tell me how you feel about rachel riley philip well, I'd like to imagine that uh, if I was ever alone in a room with Rachel Riley, it wouldn't be to discuss my children's nutrition. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be your children's. It wouldn't be your children's mouths that the, the creamy spoonfuls would be. No, stop it. Okay, I'm you, so you, glad you, said, you that. said that. You took it down that route. I was very happy <laughs> leaving it hanging. That maybe we would talk mathematics, but no, you very much. I am disgusting, turn. and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So, so are you going to, for the chance to choose, would you give up your children's future teeth <laughs> for the chance to spend that quality time with the wonderful Rachel Riley? And she, and she teaches your kids maths. She may not get the, she may not nail the nutrition. Well, I have to say my, my oldest and therefore probably my youngest as well will eventually have, have inherited my wife's math skills. So they're okay oh. for maths. His oh. arithmetic is astonishing at six. Um, oh. like he's, he's just working things out that I'm under the table using my calculator on my phone going, um, yes, that is nine times 17. 
things like that. So, so I, I think it's probably that wonderful you know, homeschooling. It, well, I'd like to think it is, but uh, I spent most of that time in detention. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think they're probably okay for maths. Uh, the, the, the creamy sugar thing. Um, uh, before my, before we had a child, we went to New York. My wife and I went. We only we knew that she was pregnant. It was very, very early. But we had this trip planned to New York, and but in our heads we were already thinking kind of parent mode, and everything was like, oh, when we're parents, we might do that, or we'll do, we yeah. won't do that. Uh, and I remember being in a, a massive one of the massive department stores in New York, um, and seeing a young mother with a very young baby, so not talking yet, baby, uh, in a pushchair, and. She did. She she scooped off the top of her frappuccino or <clears throat> whatever concoction it was, yeah. and spoon fed it to the baby, and that was the most judgmental moment in my life. I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like, we're never doing that. Even even if I drink those drinks and eat rubbish myself, we're never giving that to our children, and never. I and definitely not in public, because um, that's the other thing. Why would you do it when people can see? That you're damaging your child but in real life nice you don't though, give a it? toss do you you don't <laughs> not, not now six, six years on drop a whiskey in the sippy cup i think i think my proudest parenting moment was at the age of three when i got him to learn how to make me my nespresso coffee oh, uh, you know. oh brilliant brilliant good one so uh, choose it or lose it i think i think i'm 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 sorry to rachel riley obviously and uh if she's listening and wants to come on our podcast uh, <laughs> and, and and be on you talking to me we'd love to have her as a a voice of jewish entertainers um uh, I'm, I'm i think i'm gonna lose it oh, okay fair enough it's down. only number one i think that's fine let's look through door number two so you are sitting alone in a coffee shop, minding your own business, maybe having a nap, when someone comes up to you and says, oh my God, I think you're amazing. I've seen all your shows. I've always wanted to meet you, David Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me about this then. <laughs> wow. For a moment there, I thought it was my mum who was coming to. Oh my god, you're a <laughs> well. We don't know. It still could be, couldn't it? We don't know who it is yet. We don't know who it oh, is. I see. Um, now I think she'd be quite offended at the thought that there's anyone else that's uh, that I'm being passed off as. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the David Mitchell thing is. I mean, it's. I think it's, it's more noticeable with lockdown hair. To be fair, um, obviously this is an audio <laughs> revelation, but my hair is awful. Um, <laughs> Uh, to tell you how awful it is my barber stalked me found my email address and emailed me to check if he'd need a lawnmower at our next <laughs> and, this, and this is just a barber i don't go to a hairstylist it's not it's not one of those fancy ones where you walk in you get a cup of coffee and a massage it's just he's a barber and i got an email from him a couple of weeks ago asking if i'd be in uh, when it was legal so <laughs> now the hair and I think the voice as well the David Mitchell thing definitely. is yeah. apparent um, I, I do quite a few video rants and things on on uh, TikTok and it's amazing how many people comment going David Mitchell vibes okay so let's get back to this scenario and see who it's going to be you're sitting in this coffee shop someone comes up to you goes wanted to meet you david mitchell and that person is david mitchell it's david mitchell oh he comes up to oh. brilliant what a twist. <laughs> twist i swear that was random that just one machine spat out oh, oh so <laughs> it's gone meta. <laughs> yes. How would you feel? Would you, is this a chance to spend time with David Mitchell? Um, which I, th I think it'd be nice to spend time with David Mitchell. My understanding is that um, he is probably, he's so funny and he's so good at what he does. The thought of, of the competition means <laughs> I, I think he, 
he'd, he'd keep me at bay. He'd be like, no. Um, <laughs> I, I think it'd be very a very uncomfortable conversation because I, I have kind of milked the David Mitchell thing as well. It's not like I've <laughs> gone, oh, no, no, no. You know, I, I reference it in my stand-up and um, there is somewhere out there, I did a training video um, for someone w which was filmed in the style of Peep Show oh. and it, that, that was with my David Mitchell vibes. Did you did you take money for that? You said you've made money. I, I did take money. Yeah, it was an acting job. So they, they produced it and coincidentally asked for somebody that looked like David. <laughs> um, so I think I'd probably be quite nervous about that being discovered by him. And then, he, you know, he, it'd be one of those things. It, it's like the, the the when you get three quarters of the way through a movie where everything's going really well, and that's the conflict. That's the bit where he goes, "I can't trust you anymore." So in this scenario, actually, it's like. He's discovered what you've been doing. Yeah. yeah. And he's confronting you in your in your coffee shop. It would be very <laughs> uncomfortable. If David Mitchell did come up to me, first of all, that would be very out of character for what I perceive David Mitchell to be like. So I yeah. think he was an imposter. And then maybe I start to question, maybe I am David Mitchell and this <laughs> is Philip Simon. Oh. So I'm, oh, not, like I'm not sure I can trust the scenario. It's like being David Mitchell yes. instead I, of John Mackey. Yeah. I, I think I've that was the sequel they never made. <laughs> so are you going to walk through into this reality? I think it would scare me to walk into a reality where I then had to be David Mitchell constantly as well, because I would like to think I could be my own, yeah. my own person. Do you know, this is so really weird we... because I have met you a hundred times and I have never thought, oh, you're like David Mitchell. And now I cannot lose it. Your voice it, is so It's the kind of thing when I mention it on stage, you know, a lot of comedians go on stage and the first thing they'll say is, yeah. I know what you're thinking, this person's letting themselves go or whatever. I don't mention it when I first go on stage. I do it sort of towards the end of a set or halfway through, kind of at the earliest. And you can see in the audience people going, Oh, that's who it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remind people of, yeah. I've had so many other suggestions. I've done an, a commercial where I was a lookalike for Ed Miliband. Um, I've been oh, likened yeah. to Mr. Bean, Sylvester McCoy, uh, Mark Williams, who was um, yes. you know, Far Show okay. and Mr. Weasley in the Harry Potter films. Yeah, I, I also have this this look and this vibe of, no one would be Philip Simon, so he must be someone else. Oh. Um, but David True. Mitchell seems to be the most popular one. But yeah. it, it is that thing where it takes people a little bit of time to get it. And then once they've got it, they can't lose it. So let's look through door number three. Door number three. Okay. Philip, you are going to a posh event and you realise you've forgotten your suit. Someone rushes up to you to lend you theirs, stripping off at speed as they do. Does this sound like something you'd like to be? I mean, are you, do you tend to get stressy about what you're wearing to things? or? No, I, I, tend, I tend not to worry too much until I see other people's reactions to what I'm wearing. And then I... <laughs> I, I have subsequent worry, I guess. Right. Okay. But I would say in this scenario, you know there's a dress code and you're right. meant to be wearing a suit and you haven't got it with you. Here, let's see who's going to step in. <laughs> it's Lady Dragon Deborah Meaden. How are we feeling about this scenario? Do we know what the event is? Is it... Am I asking her for money? Am I... Let's say you're asking someone for money, I'm but asking it's not someone her for money. because well, or are we? But she's doing this for you. She believes in you. She be yeah. She's she's prepared to strip off at speed, right? <laughs> and lend you her slacks. Yeah, which will look splendid. Absolutely. Um, so now we can add people. I will end up looking like. I, I did meet Deborah Meaden once, and she is lovely. She, she, I could totally imagine her being the kind of person who would lend someone her suit in order to help them. You know, yeah. like if if so, if I was in a situation asking someone for money or asking a favor or a job interview or something, and I turn up and went, "Oh my, I, I can't believe I'm wearing this." I think she probably would, if she genuinely believed in someone, 
help them out. Um, I don't know if I'd want to find myself in a job interview dressed as Deborah Meaden next to an ostensibly <laughs> naked Deborah Meaden. I imagine she'd wear some fairly hefty undergarments. She'd okay. be fine. I mean, she'd, and she'd, she'd be in your jeans and parachute. Yeah, she could wear my off-casts as well. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't sell, so selfishly refuse to let her wear. <laughs> no, Thank you, you can't have my that's clothes. A <laughs> that's a lovely thing you've just done. If you could hold my clothes, I'd, I'd be really great. Put them on. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> Keep them in your hands, bitch. <laughs> I, I, also, I also don't know if I'd ever want to be in the situation of having a job knowing that I'm forever going to be the guy who got the job in Deborah Meaden's clothes. Because then when you turn up on day one and you're wearing your own clothes, and they're like, that's not what we hired. I did a commercial, when I, when I, was, I think I was about 15, I did a TV commercial for Hellman's Dijonais, and I played a, a geeky schoolboy, and I did my hair in a side parting, kind of the lockdown vibe again, but I looked really geeky, uh, and I got the job, and I turned up to the wardrobe fitting, and I did have my regular hair, which is just... I think it was curtains at the time. Um, and as every cool 15 year old in the nineties did. Um, and I turned up with different hair from what I'd had in the, in the audition and they couldn't, they couldn't process it. They were like, what you, you what, what's happened to your, your hairs? You can, you, that, that thing you did, you can still do that. Right. So I think the way <laughs> you when you get, when you get a job, it kind of is how you have to look for the rest of, yeah. That job. job. That's yeah. so weird. That is so weird that people who are in a creative industry couldn't f fathom yes. that someone would oh, just put they some... liked to, Yeah. They liked to see you exactly as they saw you, but they had, it's amazing and how also, people don't have imagination at that moment. Yeah, and also a lot of people <laughs> who make commercials are the clients, not the creative. So it's the, it's the, pr the product. Mm. And for them, it's a day out of the office, so they're very excited, very lovely. It's it's normally the creatives who are there tearing their hair out, going, why can't they let me just do my job? Um, <laughs> because they're getting involved. So they see you looking different than you looked on the tape that they saw that got you the job. And they think, what? He, he's an actor. He's not a real, <laughs> real? He's not a real boy. I mean, he is a real boy. It's just pretending not, boy. Not what they yeah. want. They just <laughs> yeah. want the product to sell. Yes. So Mr. and Mrs. Hellman's marketing department was, yeah, shocked. Yeah, they, they were very upset. Excellent. So, so are you going to choose to have Deborah Meaden's suit or are you going to lose the chance to spend time with Deborah Meaden? I, mean, I would very happily spend time with Deborah Meaden again. I, I would want her to stay fully clothed at all times. Um, <laughs> I, I, I say, I'd say that about anyone that's not my wife at the moment. I'm not I'm not trying oh, to, I'm not moment. trying to, you know, anyone shame anyone or moment. age shame anyone. I'm just trying yeah. to say right now, especially as we're in lockdown and I can't leave, I have to stay faithful <laughs> to my wife. Yeah, um, and this is only this is only because Rachel Riley's already gone. <laughs> I know, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the if headline? She'd been the next one, and you'd said, "Oh, no, I've changed my mind." If it's Rachel Riley, <laughs> could you imagine the headline? David Mitchell rejects Rachel Riley to shack up with Deborah Meaden. <laughs> what whilst whilst kicking Brenda Blethyn? <laughs> <laughs> We've rejected Deborah Meaden. Let's try the next one. Door number four. So behind this door, Peppa Pig has made it to the West End. The theatre is packed with excited preschoolers. Explain Peppa Pig for me, Philip. Peppa Pig is a children's cartoon that is possibly one of the most successful children children cartoons. And they made a stage version of it where I played Daddy Pig. And we did it. We did a UK tour, um, and I, I remember doing, doing auditions. Daddy Pig's the the big daddy character of the the show. You got Pepper and George, brother and sister. And you got Daddy Pig and Mummy Pig because that's how creative they are naming these creatures. <laughs> um, but during the audition, it was down to me and two others to get this job, which would be a bit of puppetry and theatre. It was it was a great job to get, um, and the, they had had me. A really huge guy and a very sort of a stick thin guy and I was kind of the average 
you know, we don't know yet if we're going to go for someone who's thin and doesn't represent what Daddy Pig looks like. And we, we don't know if we're going to go for someone who looks like Daddy Pig because he's really huge and quite obese himself or Philip. Um, <laughs> this average sort of he's not he's not fat. He's not thin. He's not tall. You know, just a Daddy Pig bod. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I, I did that. It, it was I did a year and a half of uh, touring the UK and Ireland playing um daddy pig and then we did the we did go to the west end for a brief christmas stint um and i left that and that after about a year and a half of that i went i don't want to be an actor anymore <laughs> and i started stand up oh so, so we're sending you back into that dimension right no. Did you like that? I did. <laughs> I've seen it too. Uh, and this West End Theatre is packed with excited preschoolers. You're about to step on stage and you realise that your big outfit has an apparent stain on the front that looks somewhat genital. Mummy Pig is looking mischievous. She has definitely put it there on purpose. And inside the Mummy Pig costume is... Molly Ringwald. We're just going to explain to the younger viewers who Molly Ringwald is. <laughs> yes. As a 15-year-old between... boy in the 90s. <laughs> Definitely knew Molly, yeah. Do you choose the wonderfully beautiful, fabulous, pretty and pink, pretty and pig? What? Pretty and pig. <laughs> Molly Ringwald. <laughs> to be your mummy pig to your daddy pig. And a very naughty Obviously, it's doing pranking you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would hope so. Dick and balls shaped um, stain on your <laughs> foamy costume. Foamy. It's not foamy like that. I mean, I'm, I'm going to allow myself a moment of pettiness to say that it, we weren't wearing costumes, but it was puppetry. So we were holding oh. uh, style or Avenue Q style puppets. Um, but they, I think they do now do it in costumes. Because they I think I, I did look can, on, on YouTube and that's what I saw. Yeah, I think they realise they can do it much cheaper now by, yeah. by doing the football mascot type costumes. But when we did it, it was puppets. Which and we were visible on stage holding the puppets, um, which was good, except the kids didn't see us. They just saw the characters. So we were ostensibly invisible to them. Um, would I go back to Peppa Pig? Um, I loved doing Peppa Pig as a show. I had an amazing time. I would not go back to that time of my life at all because it, it was it was really hard work. All the, the touring around, carrying the puppet, yeah. and everything else. But Molly Ringwald, you you've won the game. <laughs> oh, the sense of jeopardy. Will he or won't he? Because because the 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 woman playing Mummy Pig when I did it was a fantastic comedian actress called Keddy Sutton. Um, Liverpool-based, well, Maxville-based um, uh, comedian actress, and she would absolutely have done that prank. So, <laughs> I don't know why Molly's trying to muscle in on her territory. Um, uh, oh, do you know? It, it was such a traumatic time of my life, but I've milked it for comedy purposes. I did a whole show called I "Who's the Daddy Pig?" I early. saw it and I loved it. Oh, thank you. It, it was a lovely hook to be able to to yeah. draw on. I don't want to go back to to Peppa Pig though, but I can to maybe Molly give Ringwald. maybe give Molly my number and we can. We can <laughs> <laughs> the only way to get at this moment, the only way to get your number to Molly Ringwald is to walk through the door. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes yeah. you have to look at an opportunity in this game. You have to go. Okay, so there is some stuff to do. Yeah. To earn the right to hang out with my hero or, or, or teenage love object, I'm going to say discreetly. Um, <laughs> uh, if it, you know, or whatever. So just. And it can and be, also, and in this dimension, she might have been, she might be 1990s Molly Ringwald. She might be pretty yeah. in pink Molly Ringwald. And you might be, you know, 1990s Lucky. Philip. Well, hang on. If, she, if she's, if she's 1990s. Okay. You might be Molly 2000s Ringwald, Philip. <laughs> then. And and I'm now this Philip. <laughs> you can be no, any no one, Philip. You can be any no Philip one's you want. To see that relationship. Um, <laughs> like if if she's if she's playing schoolgirl Molly Ringwald, and I'm forty two year old ex daddy pig. I think that's fine. Somebody's going to prison. Yeah. Um, I. <laughs> 
Oh, you, you've tainted. I was, I was, I think I was going to say yes, and you've tainted it now with the possibility that she's no, no, still. She can be any age you want, and you can be any age you want. You can be eternally youthful together, or you can both be forty-two together, or whatever. This is your, this is your dimension. Yeah. And we're halfway through. So you've got four left, Jews. Oh, See, so far I've not regretted any of my decisions. Mm. Whether I will by the end of this, I don't know. Um, I, I don't <laughs> want to go back to Daddy Pig. I, I, I loved, yeah, I, I'd still do some voice stuff as Daddy Pig. I um, unofficially uh, do children's birthday messages and things like that. So I'm still doing, so, but I don't want to go back to playing. Being No, I'm going to say no because I don't want to wear a costume <gasps> either. I'm going to say no, oh. Molly. Please don't. Okay. Well, that's the first one that feels really like... That that felt yeah. more jeopardy than anyone should ever have given this credit for as <laughs> on Ringwald of any age. <clears throat> I'm really sorry. This, who knew? Here yes. we go uh, with door number five. Door number five. Okay. Oh, you're back at your first ever gig. Now... Some people have good first gig stories. Tell us about yours. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go back to my first gig. Um, <laughs> I, I did a course. I, I did a comedy course um, at the comedy school in Camden. And my first gig was the showcase. You have to do five-minute showcase. And it's meant to be the friendliest gig you'll ever do because you're, it's all I friends and family. Yeah. And yeah. You, you did it. I did it in Bristol, but yeah. yeah. Ah, and yeah, so and I, I did something I, similar. Yeah. yeah, so I've, I've taught in the Bristol one a couple of times. It's, it's I, I love them. I, I think comedy school are great, and they've been brilliant for me subsequently, and I loved the course. And I, I, I knew on day one of the course I wanted to do stand-up. It wasn't just a hobby for me. I kind of came out of that class and went, yes, this is... But the, this is supposed to be the friendliest gig you'll ever do, and it was not the friendliest <laughs> gig because... Um, one of the guys who did it, who was really very good, uh, he had publicised it on Facebook. So loads of people turned up from his friends list who he didn't know and just wanted to embarrass him and make trouble. So they drank a lot of a Sunday afternoon. Um, and he didn't kick them out. They didn't. And basically a, a fight broke out quite <laughs> early on in the first half of the show. I think I was... I must have been on halfway through, or maybe I was closing the first half. I can't remember, but I, I was, I was nestled in the middle because I was, I was one of their safe bets, but not good enough to open or close the show, which is fine. It's a call, you know. But I, I was one of their. All right, if things are lagging, we know Philip will level the level the room uh, back to a sense of it's a comedy night, um, but I don't know if you've ever been in, introduced onto stage literally as a soundtrack to a fight that's happening in the back of a room. <laughs> that, yeah. That's what was happening. Uh, there, there was a fight breaking out. They, they literally kicked people out as um, I was being called onto stage. Oh, and then the fight restarted halfway through my set. Um, they held on well. for a full two and a half minutes. Yeah. But I, I'd, so I'd gone on stage and they they just kicked someone. It was a big hoo-ha as they kicked someone out. And then they went, ah, now please welcome to the stage. Your next act, Philip Simon. Um, well, presumably they said Simon Phillips. I don't know. But, <laughs> and and I, I got on stage panicking, thinking, oh, I've got five minutes of jokes and everyone's focused on that. And, um, and I said something like, uh, I wouldn't mind, but that guy's my agent. <laughs> and that... So that worked. That was fine because that kind of meant the audience went, all right, we'll listen to him. He kind of knows what he's doing. And then halfway through my set, I just heard this bottle smash. And at this image of mine, the bottle was going to start flying towards me. My set was, I'm going to have to do like this, ducking and diving, you know, all over <laughs> the place. Um, but I'm, I'm just carrying on. Just was thinking, well, I've got my scripts. I've got five minutes. I, I wasn't at that stage good enough to improvise during my set like I, I can start yeah. with an improvised line that's fine um but I wasn't going to come off script for anyone <laughs> so that was my first experience of live 
Oh my comedy. god! But you—that's so interesting that you, because a lot of people do that and they have their first gig and they just go, "God, no, this is not yeah. for me." And you went, "No, this is for me. It's well, never going to be this bad again." <laughs> so this is the advice I, I give. I often go back to the comedy school and talk to current students and give advice and Q and A, do the Q and A thing with them. And my advice to all comedy students is get gigs booked into your diary before you graduate because yes. then if your showcase goes well you've got the momentum and you've got gigs in and if it goes badly you've got dates that you have to fulfill therefore you're going to do them yeah so I had that I had dates in my diary that I had to fulfill I've been an actor for 10 years at that point and I knew that I could stand on stage and entertain but I I was more nervous doing my first few live gigs than I'd ever been as an actor because as an actor you're just saying you other people's words here you're standing up on stage saying I thought of something funny like me um, <laughs> and I, yeah. I remember my, my second gig which was a pro night I was just a friend of mine ran a pro night um so I hopped on that as a they did me a favor uh and it was you know they had people like Joe Wilkinson on and Hattie Ashdown was on um so I, I was in good company and I remember shifting from one side of my body to the other and my leg literally shaking as I took the weight off. I was so nervous gigging on stage, even though I'd been an actor and could stand on stage and I had the stagecraft. So the, all of that adrenaline, I loved as much as it sounds hideous. I loved it. And I knew I wanted to be a stand up at that point anyway. So it didn't put me off, but please don't ask me to go back to my first gig. <laughs> well, okay. We are except, <laughs> except as the two people are beating seven pit bells out of each other, you tell a killer joke, which is what really happened. I want to know, by the end, had you won them over? Like, if this was a movie, by the end, everyone would have stopped looking at the fight. Even the people fighting would have sort of held the bottle above their heads <laughs> and looked at the stage and started laughing. How close are you know? Oh yeah, I mean, by, by the end, they they were all linked arms. Uh, <laughs> we sang we sang songs together. They carried you on their shoulders. Yeah, you know, I I convinced the police not to press charges. That kind of thing. I, yeah, um, yeah. I like this movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, in this movie, in this scenario, it's kind of like that. Right. And in the front row is. It's Wayne Lineker, toxic masculinity in speed. Personified, ew. Mm. I don't know who's who's Wayne Lineker. Oh, oh God, he's Gary Lineker's brother, and, and he put out a thing. Yes, not very like his brother, and he put out a post saying that he was looking for basically somebody nice and submissive to be his girlfriend, somebody very old-fashioned, thank you very much, who knew what it was like to be a lady. And he has now found that person, and I strongly suggest you go and Google it and be very judgmental, but only in your own head, because that wouldn't be nice. Yeah. So he's basically his toxic masculinity personified, which I right. know is heroism to you, Philip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my brand. <laughs> oh dear God! I think we made this one nice and easy. What's your choice, babe? <laughs> um, <laughs> there is something very tempting about owning a gig, and the 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 thought of going back to that very first gig and being like, "It's all right, guys. I've got this." Yeah. Um, but I, it was it was a harrowing. Um, experience that plus also all the other gigs that you've done well all that experience will have been gone yeah so and, and I, I'm, I've probably had worse gigs in terms of dying at gigs or you know because at least people liked me at this gig and I got the laughs it was just as a welcome to stand-up comedy <laughs> it was horrible Drinky. yeah yeah, for lots of reasons but especially when you, you don't you also don't know the industry well enough so like Am I going to be penalised even on my course for going over five minutes because I had to deal with the hecklers with the yeah. so all those things going through your head as you're trying to do your set? I I don't want to go back. <laughs> okay, so Wayne is going to be googled though. That's yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. Okay, let's look through door number six. Door number six. 
So we've made reference to this already. Your fabulous podcast, Due Talking to Me, has become massively successful. It's winning awards left, right and centre. And your fabulous co-host, Rachel Krieger, decides to leave when you're at the top. But you carry on and you've enlisted somebody else to be your co-host. And your co-host shall be... Brenda Bleffin! Oh. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's going to do wonders for the figures. Wow. Um, I mean, the thing I, I'd have to know is what Brenda could bring to the table, because I think it's safe to say that whilst Rachel and I co-host the podcast and co-created the podcast, I'm very much a passenger to Rachel's admin and um, organizational skills. Uh, so there's every chance that Brenda and I could get to host our first episode and be like, I thought you were booking the guest. I thought you were <laughs> booking the guest. Why have we not got a guest? Yeah. I think you're making um, some massive assumptions about Brenda Bleffin's administrative capabilities here. No, I, th I think I'm just very aware about how epic <laughs> Rachel's are. Um, yes, that's the thing. Plus also, how could you possibly replace Rachel Krieger with anyone? Well, we, we have vaguely discussed in our minds what would happen if this, and I, I'm not sure the show works without one or both of us, um, more so Rachel, because it's a Jewish podcast, and the, the nice thing about it is that Rachel's orthodox and I'm reform, which is much more secular. I'm a non-believer. She's very much a believer and a practicer, and I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd much rather just have a nap. Um, <laughs> so I, the show, own, the, not, I'd not say the show only works, the show mainly works because of that dynamic that we create as two yes. opposites, but with a lot of common ground. Uh, between us and I'm not sure that Brenda has actually exercised you know shown anybody her credentials as a Jewish podcaster no yeah no. We, we'd have the, to audition the yeah. me. she would have to, audi I'm have not... to audition yeah and you could and you could knock her over on the way in I, I also a... want to know why Rachel's leaving like is there a scandal do we have to do oh. we have to think well maybe we she's, don't she's going on to even bigger and even better th it's for her world tour well, then I can't I can't hold her back. Uh, yeah. if that's, if it's I mean, world. you don't have a choice in that bit. No. Whatever no. the reason, let's assume it's I have to tell you. <laughs> I have to tell you as well, Philip, that, that this has touched on Louise's and my moral fortitude today because <laughs> I asked and begged that we set it up and that we didn't do this randomly and that this was Rachel Riley. <laughs> and she said, no, it must be random. It must be random. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to give you Rachel Wright. Just know I wanted to give you Rachel Riley. We all wanted to give you Rachel Riley, but the dominatrix is a fickle mistress. That's the whole and point. She knew better. Yeah, she, uh, she's clearly punishing me for something that yeah. I've done in my past. I mean, I think <laughs> what I think it does also change the conceit because I'm not sure that Brenda Blethyn is Jewish. So it for me would have to become a Jewish talking to a Gentile. Yeah. So we, we always start the show with Rachel saying, I'm orthodox, which means, and then she says something about being orthodox. And I say, and I'm reform, which means this. We'd have to change it. So it would be uh, that I would say, I'm Jewish, which means this. And Brenda would be like, and I'm not. So I don't know what's going on. Right. Um, and then Brenda would say, and I'm a national treasure, but he kicked actually, me. He is a national treasure. <laughs> I don't want people thinking that I actively kicked or would reject Brenda Blethyn. She is a national treasure and a delightful lady who. You know, had had this had gone the other way round, and you just put Rachel Riley into this scenario, but Brenda yes. in that first scenario of having to deal with my children, there's every chance we would have stopped there because yes. Brenda Blethyn uh, and I could definitely co-parent my children. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we have to yeah. keep my wife in the picture as well. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, as a mother. I'd be very happy to be sidelined by a national treasure <laughs> and kept as the fun one who goes on the dates and does the fun stuff and uh, let yeah. Brenda Blackman wipe some arses for a bit. She she would wipe some arses. She, I think she really be, would. She'd be hands-on. She would be hands-on. Um, but I, I couldn't have her as my co-host. I, I, think, I think probably without Rachel, the podcast would... Um, without either Rachel. 
without either Rachel, in fact, yes. I, I wasn't going to specify. I was going to say without a Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to let the audience decide what I meant. But without Rachel, this podcast could not go ahead. Okay, so. We hear you. <laughs> so I'm feeling quite suspenseful, Philip, because well, you haven't chosen two, one yet. Yeah. You've got two scenarios. I'm very nervous left. now. Yeah, you should yeah. be. You should be, because the dominatrix is cruel, famously. Which here some people like. Door number seven. Here we go. Door number seven. Oh, you're on Britain's Got Talent. Oh, God. There's an audience of millions. This is your moment to shine. You're there to demonstrate your amazing special talent. No, not comedy. The other one. What's your secret skill, Philip? <laughs> oh, no. Britain's Got Talent. Is, I don't think they're ready for... Um... <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? When you first said Britain's Got Talent, I thought... Yeah, I could do. I could do this because I, as comedians, we get asked me. Britain's Got Talent every, pretty much every year. You get an email, yeah. phone call saying, oh, "I'm I'm a recruiter for Britain," and I always resist I've it. I've not had one yet. I just want to say that. Oh, you are missing, nobody. You're missing nothing. Um, <laughs> but as, as a different talent, <laughs> uh, I I discovered a few years ago I can owl hoot. Uh, you know when you put okay. your hands together and you you make the owl hoot. Um, but I I discovered that I can. Not necessarily very accurately, but I can do tunes when I owl hoot. Um, I so I I can open my hand up and and uh, play tunes. Now you're saying this, Philip? No, this is marvelous no, in theory. We it. definitely won't need you to demonstrate. You know, I can touch my ear with my toes. Right, and if we um, can't if we can't trust you and believe you, then what kind of society <laughs> is this? Let's move on. Scenario eight. Birthday is quite an easy tune. You could maybe attempt that one. Everyone I can, I can give that a go. I, I'm, I'm not warmed up. Um, <laughs> drum roll, drum roll, please. Should the drum roll be the salad spinner? <laughs> That's your basic oh. owl boot. I'm sorry, Philip. You, you were interrupted by an actual owl there. <laughs> I, I want, I want, I want to, to wit it, before that. That is like a mating call. Yes. I can't I can't do it with the windows open. <laughs> Harry um, Potter. What's the name of the owl in Harry Potter hitting the window oh, like a pigeon? Hedwig. Hedwig. Yeah. Hedwig. Thunk. Yeah. I, I, I do it when the post arrives. <laughs> so that, that's your basic owl hoot. Um what do you want? Happy birthday. Let, let's see if you let's try this. Amazing. No, see so it's gone off. Brilliant! It's brilliant. Do you know what? I've embarrassed myself. Uh, <laughs> this one, this one, this one, I, I feel I need to get it now. That that high note from the pedal. Yeah. Come on! Yeah, okay. I'm going to stay here forever. Yes. Oh. It's a beautiful um, thing. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Not a dry, not a dry seat in the house. <laughs> okay, so back we go. You've just done that <laughs> perfectly. So consider that a first rehearsal. You've yeah. perfected yeah. that high note, but you've played Ness and like Dorma. Ness and Dorma. The owl is in the Ness and Dorma window. Okay, good. Well done. I've got to remember I know Ness and Dorma. Hang on. There we are. That's... There's a guest judge has the final say on whether you go through to the next round. As far as I'm concerned, it's an inevitability. Uh, you've got two yeses, two noes, and the guest, the final decision rests with. So far, Philip, how are you feeling? Like you quite want to walk through this door? I'm really torn on it because I I really don't want to ever be that guy who's famous for Britain's Got Talent. But then again, there's something fun about the owl hooting bit. I've I've, I've always it's always gone unnoticed. It's been on my CV since I left drama school. 
and it's never been noticed. Not even as a talking point in an audition. People have gone, what, oh, owl hooting? Is that a thing? So the, to finally get the recognition yeah. is something that actually I don't know. I've never heard anyone else do it. Um, there's something about that that I'd have to ensure my hands. That's the other thing. Like, I'd have to I'm ensure. Thinking, like, you could advertise hand cream. You oh know? my god! I'd be able to be a hand model because uh, yes. you obviously can't do it with hand cream. There's too much uh, moisture, you know. Yeah. But um, but after a long day of owl hooting, your hands might yeah. need. Mm. I, I, I'm very tempted. This may well come down entirely to who the guest just the guest judge is going to be. Okay, who so I've activated the dominatrix, and then and then uh, it's David Badil. Interesting. Oh. Right. So this is door number seven. Yeah. And he's a close personal mate now, isn't he? Oh, we, we go way back to the Zoom thing we did two weeks ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> David, David Bedeal. Now, inter so interestingly, David Bedeal's partner is Mummy Pig in uh, the of actual Peppa Pig. Of course she is. My absolute heroine. Maureen Banks, yes. Yeah, she is Mummy Pig. So, and actually, I, I met him years ago, and I did say when I was when I was doing Daddy Pig, I mentioned it to him, and I said, "Oh, we're coming to the West End. I, I don't know if your wife's going to be there because obviously there was a gala show." And and he's like, "No, nope, we've got no idea what you're talking about." Um, oh. Ah, but he, I mean, obviously, big fan, David Bedil. Um, we did the show together. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, as a panel discussion on anti-Semitism in comedy, uh, so that was a laugh a minute, um, but very interesting. Do I? So I presume we get to spend time talking to David Mitchell, uh, not David Mitchell, David Bedell. The Washroid David. Yeah, he'd be like, I want, I want that David Mitchell guy. He's the owl hunter. <laughs> um, so this, this is this. This might be the one. Um, he'd put you through. You know, your mates would. We'd be best mates. Yeah, I get to hang out with the actual mummy pig because yeah, you meet you meet some famous people doing this job, um, but mummy pig. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I get I get to spend time with the the Mary Whitehouse experience guy with uh, yeah, Bedeal Skinner unplanned, you know, and mummy pig, and I then finally get the recognition I feel I deserve for owl hooting. Admittedly not demonstrated as brilliantly as I would have liked with Happy Birthday, but I think Ness and Dorma, Ness and Dorma. won you over. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could feel the emotion in that massive theatre. Yeah, I, I mean, to get that across on StreamYard yeah. is I quite mean, something. You, um, <laughs> are you going to choose it, door number seven, or take your chances on door number eight? So just to clarify, is... Am I winning Britain's Got Talent with this, or is he just putting me through to the? Well, next he's round? putting you through. It's putting you through definitely at least to the grand final, if not decide. I think doesn't the audience decide the final? I don't know. They do. um, he's, um, he's giving you a bit. I mean, and the thing about being in the final is, um, you know, someone like Nick Page, who's been in the final, will tell you yeah. that the rates of your corporates go right up. Now I just have to find those corporates for the owl hooting market. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did have so you want half hour of comedy? No, don't tell a joke. Literally don't say a word. We want you to come and, and do the aria yeah. from Madam Butterfly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm, I yeah. might go for this one because uh, you've, you've put together a very nice pack, like the final of Britain's Got Talent as an yeah, owl I think, you did, I think you did happy birthday in, in round one. Yeah, I did. And I, I think I got the sympathy with them because I told them my grandma died or something. Yes. Um, yes. So I, I got through for that more than the happy birthday. Then I nailed it with um i don't know ness and dorma in this in round so and then finally i mean so i've still split the judges two yeses yeah. and two no's but david Badil, um you've thrown him into me because <laughs> I, I presumably get to hang out with him backstage as well because he'd want a lesson he'd want to know how how he can owl hoop and, and i'll be a britain's got talent finalist which fills yeah. me with dread but also why not like I could bring out an album. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm I'm happy with this one. I'm I'm gonna I'm going to say, Fantastic. yeah. I'll, I'm gonna 
Britain's Got Talent finalist, thanks to David Badil. Well, as congratulations. A, um, congratulations. congratulations. Well done. Let's look at yeah. what you've turned down. Door number eight. Tell us about the best party you ever went to, Philip Simon. I, I went to a, uh, I went to, it was a staff party for, for the royal wedding. Um, so the, I say the royal wedding, let's clarify which one. It was William and Kate's royal wedding. I went to a staff party. Um, Whose staff? I mean, their, their staff? staff. It, it was at Buckingham Palace. I, I was dating a butler at the time. Um, oh. She'd worked as part of the royal household and lived in Buckingham Palace. And they had a party on the top floor of, of Buckingham Palace, which is where the servants' quarters are, I guess is what you'd call it. I gather after midnight, Prince Harry did turn up and was dancing oh. away. But I, I, I did, I missed that part. But that was that was quite good. That was quite good fun. Fantastic. As parties go. So yeah. you're you're at this party. You're having a fantastic time. There's a yeah. live band. Was there a live band? No, there wasn't. There was. Um, they were just playing music. And there was lots okay. of dancing on tables. But was it like a sort of a house party in vibe? Yeah, just yeah. In a really massive big house. <laughs> I tell I tell the best thing about uh, dating someone in that scenario, apart from the fact you obviously get to have dates at Buckingham Palace, which is pretty cool. Um, we we went for a picnic once uh, in whatever park it is that's right next to Buckingham Palace. It's James? James Park, I think. And we're eating this lovely food, just sat there by the pond. And it turns out all that food was left over from an actual royal picnic. Presumably it's not from their plates. It's all just <laughs> it's from, it's from the buffer. Great I, I had my first quail's egg. Oh. And last, to be fair. We never my forget first. our first quail's egg, do no, we? No, no. <laughs> um, Let's go with this live band or somebody's put on your favourite song at this party. You're having a fantastic evening and somebody taps you on the shoulder and asks you to dance. That person is your old drama teacher, Ian Ricketts. Oh, no. Bless. I, I thought you were going to say my old drama teacher from school who I'd be like, wow, you got roll. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Ian Ricketts. Oh, that's see, I I had no interest in going back to that party because you don't want to revisit exes anyway. You know, it, it yeah. was a lovely time whilst we were dating. It was very, but you don't necessarily want to go back. And but Ian Ricketts, yeah. oh. a boogie in the corner. Wow, oh. but you've still got. You'll still always have. Britain's Got Talent, Al Hooting yeah. and David Deal. So, you know, I think I think you've won. I think so. I think so. And it was at drama school that I discovered the Al Hooting was a thing. So there's still my connection to Ian. Uh, <laughs> he can still be part of my life. Uh, and um, I look forward to seeing him. Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm okay with my choice. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, before we send you off to uh, to I can't remember, to go to backstage at Britain's Got Talent, uh, would you like to share with our listener Pauline's neighbour Phyllis your uh, where she can find out more about you? Well, Pauline's neighbour Phyllis, uh, <laughs> you can find me starring on Would I Lie to You, Mitchell and Mel, <laughs> <Pete> Show. Uh, <laughs> um, you, where can you find me? I'm I'm on all kinds of social media, and it's always at Phillips Comedy. Um, it's just one L in Philip, uh, but that's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I I nabbed the name for all of them. Where else? Oh, do you talking to me? Is the podcast? If you want to check that out, and what else? Oh, Schools Out Comedy Club. If you've got kids that uh, like jokes, this is what I created during lockdown. It's a kids comedy show. There is a joke book available from my website which is philipsimon.co.uk forward slash shop and the profits for that book are going to fair share charity and it's all the jokes that were submitted by children last year that i've put into a joke book illustrated by joe boar another fabulous That's comedian um uh, <laughs> well phyllis come on come on yeah, phyllis buy the book. book 
We'll Brilliant. sort back. Okay, so nothing remains for us to do but to pack you off through door number seven, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. off you go. Door number seven. We will send you five through door number seven. Off you go. Thank you very much. Bye. That's it for now. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed yourself, please do hit subscribe. And if you want to email us in any scenarios we can put our guests in, then do so at airleadoors at gmail.com. We'd love to take your embarrassing incidents and adventures and turn them into alternate realities for our guests. Bye-bye. I'm off to dance through the tulips of Amsterdam with a mouse in clogs. And I'm going to go meet David Bowie for a coffee. This podcast is brought to you by us. We did all the work. The voiceovers were by John Darvel. Well done him, eh? <laughs>